Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in once again to the place where sports opinions collide. Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals. The stage is set. Miami versus San Antonio. A rematch of last year's finals. Can Tim Duncan and company get it done this year? Or will LeBron James and the crew go for the three-peat? Dead End Sports has it covered for you, right here. So make sure that you pass the word. Of course, I'm going to be joined by my homies. You know the boys from Dead End Hip Hop, B, Ken, and FIFO. So like I said, pass the word. Dead End Sports, it's about to go down. Let's go. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check out the game tomorrow night as well. 
Um, also got to bring in the point guard of the crew. Bring in my man FIFO. FIFO, what up, though? What's good, man? Chilling, chilling, chilling. And last but not least, Professor X of the crew. My man Ken. Ken, what's good? Professor X. It is a wonderful night to talk sports. I'm looking forward to tonight's show as I fade in and out on this uh, Google Hangout. But, uh, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I, it's a wonderful night to talk sports, man. We got a lot to talk about with the finals, the Pacers, uh, dipping out, okay, falling, and telling to meet the playoffs. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Been waiting for this night since Friday. <laughs> definitely, Let's definitely, definitely. Before we get started, man, I know you, uh, I know you got a chance to check out the, uh, Roots picnic this past weekend. How was that? Oh, man. Man, uh, you know what? It, it was great, man. I, I had a great time. Um, I'm a new fan of the city of Philly. Uh, the oh, Philly, State, nice. uh had uh, a number of those uh, Saturday. And uh, and I got to say this, man. Snoop Dogg put on a hell of a show. Um, the roots were fantastic, as you would expect. But Janelle Monet. Okay. Just completely stole the show. I mean, she is just, she is an astounding performer, man. It's it's incredible how great she is. And, and, and I'll go on record to say this, that I think she is the best soul performer um, uh, of, of our generation right now. Oh, wow. Modern day. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's big talk. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strong statement. That's a strong statement. That's hey. It. Hey man, I, I'll stand behind it. Okay, okay, okay. We're gonna we're gonna hold you to it. We're gonna hold you to it. Uh, the phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Like I said earlier, man, we we got a lot of sports to cover, so we're not gonna keep you waiting. Uh, lock us in right now. Uh, if you're on, we're gonna tweet out in a second um, the uh, Google Hangout. You can come check us out live on the air as well. Um, finals are set. We got. Uh, Mm-hmm. The, uh, I was about to say Indiana. We got the Miami Heat taking on the San Antonio Spurs uh, in a rematch of last year's uh, finals. Um, before we get into the participants of the finals, we got to talk a little bit about uh, what happened over the weekend. Um, obviously, the Pacers fell to the Heat. Uh, a lot of stuff happened in the, in the final game, game six in Miami. Uh, you had Lance Stevenson putting his face and Le- putting his hand in LeBron James's face. Um, you had Roy Hibbert, you know, doing what Roy Hibbert does, disappear. Um, you had just a lot of things going forward. Uh, the Pacers released a statement not long after the game saying that they would be bringing uh, Coach uh, Vogel back. Um, so, FIFA, I'll start with you, man. What should the Pacers or what can the Pacers do to get this team better? Because, you know, they thought this was going to be year. They rushed out. And jumped out on everybody. They were, you know, the odds-on favorites to. They, I mean, they had home court advantage for God Christ's sake uh, throughout the playoffs. So, what should the Pacers do to get better? I think uh, first and foremost, um, you know, I've been saying it all year. They, they need a point guard. Um, I don't know in what capacity. Is it, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any free agents really um, out this year at the point guard position that could be an impact for them. Well, Larry Bird got 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 to find a playmaker, man. Um, because Paul George is a finisher, Lance is your on and off again playmaker. So I just think they need a playmaker, and I think that those scoreless nights 
that Hibbert has. Now, the rebounding, look, you're 7'2". I, I can't defend that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm 5'6", and every time I go hoop, I get at least two rebounds. So, <laughs> you should get, you know, a couple of rebounds. You, you should walk into some rebounds at 7'2". But um, in terms of scoring, I think that those scoreless nights won't happen with a true point guard, mainly because as soon as they penetrate, who's the first person to help? It's going gonna, gonna to be a big man. So, you know, with right. the dump balls and things of that nature, you know, I think he gets six to eight points just off of a, of a pure point guard on the squad. Um, but realistically, I, I think that that's the main thing that they need. Um, I think that they need some floor spacers. When you watch in the end, they don't, they don't have a, a, a shooting specialist. And I think that that hurts them. Um, especially in transition, they don't get a lot of transition threes. So I think mainly their concern is more offensively because defensively, let's be honest, they can they can go toe to toe when they're focused against Miami, right. but offensively, when Miami ratchets it up, they they can't they can't outscore them. And I don't think that you necessarily have to outscore Miami, but you have to be able to keep pace, and they can't do that. Definitely, definitely, that's a great point. They they definitely at some point in time you gotta space those guys out and have them running towards you or what have you. Um, what about you, uh, B? What can the Pacers do to, to make things better? I mean, they, they came so close. I mean, game seven, uh, excuse me, game six, uh, they were right there and, and, you know, just let it slip away. Well, actually, game six, they got pounded. I take that back. Uh, and that game was over real quick. What can what can they do differently? Um, just like I think we – I know me and people have been saying this for long. Mm-hmm. They, they, need, they need to get a true point guard, get them a true point guard. To, to get them a good floor general. They can get someone like a, uh, what's the dude from, uh, at New Orleans Pelicans? Um, ah, what's his name? Hollow guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get somebody like him? Yeah. Or, 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 yeah. I mean, something similar to that. I mean, of course they can't get like a Chris Paul or somebody, but like, yeah, they, they just need someone, a pass first point guard, a floor general over there to kind of get some, get some type of formation on that offense. And then people took another point of mind. They need, they need some shooters. They need to, they need to space out that, space out the defense that they go against because, they don't got nobody that's just like a pure shooter. They don't have a Kyle Corbett, you know, type of player on their team that can just go out right. and be like, look, you, I need you to hit some threes or Ray Allen type player or or, or James Jones. They, they don't have nobody that can just knock down threes. And they need to do something. I mean, I, I tweeted this earlier. I saw Ken said something about this that uh, I think Hibbert was going, uh, no, Coach Bird saying that Hibbert should uh, go with a train with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. This is my thing. If you a center... I think that should be like a damn near priority for you. And when you yeah. first come into the league, you need to either sit down with some a Hall of Fame center, whether it's Kareem, whether it's Hakeem Olajuwon, somebody. You need to you need to go. And I don't, even if it does cost, have the team pay for it. Say like, hey, look, team, hey, we we going the the, the the organization should pay for you to go and spend two weeks or three weeks with Hakeem Olajuwon or Kareem right. Abdul-Jabbar or whatever. Because that's what the Pistons did. The Pistons did that with Andre Drummond. Um, after his rookie year, they sent him to Akeem Olajuwon, you know, to, to work on his basic, you know, big man stuff, and, and look what he's doing. I mean, he didn't make, he didn't go from three to ten, but he went from three to six or three to five, you know. So, he, you know, Isaac Drummond is just improving and getting better. But yeah, Hubert, he 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 gonna have to, you know, he can have, he gonna have to get some desire on that on that rebounding because him averaging uh, five rebounds a game, six rebounds a game throughout the season, that's a no no at seven two. Like people said, you should be able to walk in. Hell, out of the 12 rebounds you grab, about eight of them you walking up to them and just, oh, oh, he's right. rebound. You know, that, that's not even including the desire or the, or the will to get that rebound. So, you, you're 7-2. You should be a double-double machine. He should be leading the league in double-double if he had that will and desire. But 
That's what he needs to work on. Get Shooter, get them a floor general, and, and Huber, he needs to do something on his ass and he got it. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, Ken? What what can the Pacers do differently uh, going forward? Kyle, <laughs> Dean, and uh, uh, Ralph, people. I think the first thing they need to do is just shut the hell up. <laughs> you know, um, just stop talking, man. And I think that that has been their problem. That was their problem last this year is that they talk too damn much. And at some point, you know, you, you become a target on, and, um, and, and and people start coming at you. So um, they just need to shut up, man, and, and, and focus on playing the game and, and playing the game of basketball and, try and, on the, and focus on the game of basketball. So um, everybody, these and Ralph, everything they said is, is exactly a hundred they just need to get back to playing basketball and knowing that in order to take advantage of home court mm-hmm. in the playoffs, a game seven, you gotta first get to game seven. <laughs> the one thing the Heat has done all year long is they let the Pacers yap, 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 and they didn't really say anything. But they knew that when it comes, when it came time to play the game of basketball. They were going to step on the court. They were going to lock in, and they were going to to win. And 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 that's what we saw. They, you know, it started right after they lost Game Seven. You know, they started to talk, and and the Heat, man, they just sat there and they just let them talk, and you know, and that was that. And but yeah, I think first and foremost, they need to quit, grow up, be professional, stop talking as much, take the playbook uh, from the Spurs, and, and go out and play, man. And, and, and that's it. So. Make the adjustments that, that everybody else has already said, and um, mm-hmm. and be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, I, I really don't have much to add, man. I, the only thing I will say is that, uh, you know, I, I'm a little surprised at – well, I'm not surprised by what we saw because – that game, I mean, literally, it was it, it was almost like in Game Six, LeBron just hit a switch and he said, "You know what? I'm tired of playing with these jokers. I'm gonna go ahead and put my foot on their throat right now." And he went on. I think he scored like eight straight points, and they and their lead went from like three to like eleven, and like it wasn't close after that. Like you could tell, like Indiana was def- even though they they were still playing, they were defeated. Paul George. He had one point at halftime. This is a game six. So, you know, we, me and my boys, we always talk about We talk about it on this show. You know, sometimes the media has a tendency to anoint guys. I don't know necessarily if Paul George is that guy just yet. Not to say that he <laughs> can't be, but, I mean, who you, you're in an elimination game, and you got one point at halftime? I mean, you can't that, – that is never supposed to happen. I mean – and I'm not going to compare him to Carmelo or anybody else, but I don't ever recall Kobe or any of these guys, or LeBron for that matter. Even when LeBron, even when they lost in the finals, even when LeBron got knocked out, you know, by um, the, by Boston that year, you know, he he was going down guns a blazing. He wasn't going to leave anything left to be said. Um, so Paul George has to step up. Um, the the foolishness with Lance, I get it, I, I understand it. 
Um, but at the same time, you, if, if you're going to tug on Superman's cape, you got to back it up. And I think Lance really, you know, kind of took himself out of it, you know, because of the antics and stuff. And he karate chopped Norris Cole in the face. I mean, I hadn't seen a slap like that since the Iron Sheik in the WWF. Um, but I, I think mentally something is not right with this team. I don't know if it's that guys want to be bigger than what they are. I think one thing that Paul George, I, I watched Paul George's press conference after the game, and he said something that was very key to me. He said that at one point in the season they felt like they could turn it on and turn it off. That right there tells me that you are coasting. You're, you're thinking that, you know, you're reading your own clippings. You're thinking that we're, you know, the Indiana Pacers. We're just going to roll the balls out there and everybody's going to just fall down to us. No, it doesn't work that way. Um and another thing that kind of stood out to me as far as Lance was concerned, Lance Stevenson was concerned, when the media asked Paul George what he thought, of, you know, if he thought Lance Stevenson should be back next year, his first response was, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. He, 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 he clarified it a few seconds later by saying, you know, it's up to Bird and management. He was like, but I definitely want him back. But his first words were, I don't know. That tells me right there that there's a little something going on in that locker room. I don't know if it's Lance feeling like he's bigger than, you know, he, he, he knows that he's a, a budding star. He knows that he should have been an all-star this year. And, you know, I mean, keep in mind, Paul George, the seat that Paul George sits in as, as far as being the team star, he just got in that seat, you know, based off of what happened to Danny Granger. And, you know, some people will say that the Pacers kind of fell apart once they got rid of Danny Granger. Um now, Danny Granger wasn't the player that he was, you know, uh, obviously once he came back from the injury, but there's a lot of intangibles. And, and my thing is when you got a guy like David West, um, you know, I have to ask myself, who's the leaders on this team? You know, I, Paul George just seems too cool to be a leader to me. I mean, of course, I'm not in their locker room. But, you know, you guys talked about point guards and, and, and bench help and things of that nature and shooters and scorers and stuff, and they need all of that, but they need the mental, they, they need to be mentally tough. And I don't think this team is mentally tough. Anytime your seven foot two center goes four or five playoff games with getting zero points, that's a problem. I mean, that's a huge problem. But, um, but great. Kyle, they thought going back to your comment about them saying they could turn it on. They thought they were the Miami Heat because mm-hmm. they forced the Miami Heat to go seven games. They thought that they were their equal, and that's why they were saying the things that they were saying. When they started the season out real, real hot, they were able to turn it on early on because teams were not taking them seriously. So what was happening was, and they developed some very, very bad habits early in the season. So as the season went on and teams started to take them a little bit more serious because of their record, they felt that they could continue to implement the same bad habits they had when they started the season. And that proved proved to be not the case. So you're right. They thought that they were tough because they forced the champs to a game seven because they felt like for the last two years before this season that they thought that they were Miami's equals and that they, they thought they should have won both series. And what the Heat did to them in this series was that they showed them that that they are the top dog. And you stuck up on us before. But now you're not going to stick us up on us again. So what we're going to do is we're going to beat the crap out of you in every single way fashionable and show that you are not our equal. And, yes, there are some problems 
in that locker room because a lot of people developed the big hair and they started to receive a lot of press, which we saw with pictures that they took and, um, and Lance Stevenson thinking he wanted to be, you know, an all-star. He was upset about that. And, and um, you know, reports that Lance Stevenson was out, re- you know, chasing down rebounds and taking rebounds from his other players so he could get a triple dunk. <laughs> You know, and, and, and those sort of things. And, and look, I'm not going to let you guys off the hook, man. Um, you guys put Paul George and that superstar <laughs> before the season started, man. And, and look, I love Paul George. When when Paul George arrived in 2012, when they had Danny Granger, Danny Granger was healthy, I was like, they don't need Danny Granger anymore because Paul George is that dude. He had a phenomenal season series last year. Uh, another great year this year, um, but he's still young. He has some things to learn, and I think he can, at some point, with his game, be a top-five player in this league. But everybody was ready to put him on LeBron's level, and, and to me, that was just disrespectful. He, he but here's the thing, though, Ken. Here's the thing, though. Like, first of all, um, you're, you're 100% right. Paul George is young, but last year in that playoff series, he played at LeBron's level. You want to look at the numbers. He played at LeBron's level. He matched LeBron, and that's the reason why they went seven games, was because of Paul George, offensively and defensively. And he started off this season... I disagree with that. A, whoa. 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 You <laughs> can look the numbers up. But... Um, in my estimation, in my opinion, and what I saw last year, you know, he was on 40-something against LeBron. How many players do that, man? It's only a handful. You can only say Carmelo can do that. I, I, I wouldn't even say consistently. But Carmelo's on a short list of people that I would put to say that he could score 40 against LeBron. KD, uh, I don't know who else, bro. I, I, I don't know any other perimeter player that can put up a 40-point game against LeBron primarily guarding him. But with that being said, the beginning of the season, Paul George just rolled that momentum over. And in and, and the first year of ascending to a superstar, let, let, let's be honest, that's the hardest transition. You know, going from a, a, a regular player, you know, a, a young player in this league, finding your footing, and then becoming an all-star, and then that superstar level, like I, like I, like I said all year with Paul George, I feel like he scratched the surface, and at times he's played at a superstar level, but he's not a superstar yet. You know, he, I, I think he's on that plane. I think that now, I think that this year, in the NBA, you have to be mentally tough. To another to another one of your points, Ken, they're not mentally tough, but these lumps in the road help them. You know, and even going to what uh, D. Rose said at the beginning of the season, D. Rose said that the Bulls, when healthy, they are Miami's only true competition. And this series showed why. And, Ken, it's your point because of mental toughness. If Chicago was healthy, and that's a big hit because we don't know about D-Rose and everybody else is always getting hurt, Thibodeau playing dudes 40-some-plus minutes of, you know, a game, that's tough. But when they – you already know, they bring it game in, game out, game in, game out, and that's the difference. The, the Bulls don't turn it on and turn it off. They're always on. And, yeah, that's and Indiana true. needs to get to a to a place where they're on more than they're off because we're human. Everybody's not always going to be on, and that's tough. And you need leadership. And there's a whole bunch of other things that go with that. But Indiana, I and I and I think that that falls on Frank Vogel. I think that hopefully he's learned from this past season. Hopefully Larry Bird 
tweaks this roster over the offseason and leaves it. And hopefully, you know, Frank Rose could get these guys a little bit, you know, mentally tougher. Um, but also, I, I think I think that part of the reason why they're mentally weak is because they have no floor general. And David West can't necessarily be your floor general. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he could play a secondary role to that, to be the mm-hmm. top guy. Like, he does that. He does that already, and it's not enough. Yep. But I think that... Yep. They don't have a guy that they can rely on. Like, Paul George is not that guy. Paul George is a two-way player, scorer, defender. He's not a play. He's not LeBron, and he's not even KD. But he can score 30 a game, and he can shut down your best guy. But they need a guy that they can rely on. Let me get the ball in this guy's hand, and we can trust that, they're, that he's going to do something positive for our team. Because I don't think that you can rely on Paul George like that, you know, for an entire game. I don't think you can rely on David West. Lance Stevenson, they don't have a guy that as soon as we get the rock, we know we're going to get what we need to get. Yeah, I, I believe in Paul George, man. Um, you know, I think this was, this year was very humbling for him, and I expect great things from him moving forward. Um, you know, the funny thing about this, the playoffs in this, this series, it seemed like at some point David West even threw his hands up and was like, you know what, I, I'm always right. <laughs> You know, and and I you don't I'm not accustomed to seeing that from him. He's a little bit more stable, right? And a little right. more composed than that. But it, it's like he just knew that whatever was going on in that locker room or whatever transpired um, just was too much for them to overcome. But I want to go back to something you said, people. I do hold Vogel accountable. Um, I'm glad that they are bringing him back, even though I thought they were not, um, because I think he is their coach. Um, I think he bought into the fact that they were as good as Miami, and I think he had to take a step back to learn, you know, from this year as well. You know, he looked like he was about to cry at the post game, and um, and I, was. I would be shocked to come to find out that he cried on the way home. But um, I think we have to look at Larry Bird, and I think Larry Bird has to bear some responsibility for what happened to this team mainly because he made a lot of end-season changes to this team that he may have felt was needed. But in the end, granted how it's like this 2020, we can see that they were not needed. You did not need to get rid of Danny Granger for a player that Vogel didn't even use. You know, um, but Ken, he, 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 here's the and, thing, And too. bringing in Bynum, and Bynum is a, is a bane on every team. But Ken, I, I think the difference is is like in like honestly, if Pat Riley were to make a move, I think it, it, it wouldn't change Miami. And they made a couple moves. They always every year they add a couple players in the season or whatever. I think the difference is is that Indiana is still overall a young team. Hibbert is still a young player. The only true veteran on that squad is uh, Luis Scola and David West. Everybody that primarily handles the rock and things of that nature, they're young. They're not true professionals yet. And they really haven't had a lot of, of course, you have Larry Bird in the front office. And, of course, the way that the Pacers are portrayed, you know, is very professional. But this season, we saw that maybe behind the scenes is not as professional as we may think it is. And I think that Indiana just needs, you know, a couple more veterans. I, I, because Miami's ready all the time. And when you look at teams like San Antonio, these championship teams, and I think we touched on it last week, Udonis can go two series without playing, coming to the starting lineup and do his thing. You know, Shane Battier is the same way. Mike Miller. Like, Mike Miller was asking the whole year, 
into the finals. Into the finals. Game seven in particular, the last day. Oh, you know what? I'm going to earn my contract today. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that's, you know, like, like, like I, there's not one player on that Indiana roster that, you, that, that, that I feel that way about. There's nobody. And I think that that's Indiana's problem. You know, like, San Antonio has that. Patty Mills comes in. Ginobili's been a six-man his whole, his whole career. You know, like, like they just have guys that come in and they're ready to play. Indiana didn't seem that way. And, I, and, and another point that you make, Ken, you know, Indiana and also Kyle, um, they said that they, you know, they felt like they could turn it on and off. Every championship team is like that. Every championship team. Because let's be honest, you have how many, how many teams this year didn't win 30 games? There's a lot of them. Right. A, you know, you know, there's a lot of bad teams. So, how do you get up on on a third night? You've been flying all over the place. You don't beat the good teams, and now we got Philly. They're young. They probably rested two days. They're at home. They got something to prove because we're Indiana. That is tough. So I understand that, but at the same time, when it's time to turn on, they didn't turn on, and that's the problem. Cor- correction, people. They're a high caliber team, not a championship team. Yeah, I think that speaks to the culture of Miami. You look at Beasley, you look at Odin, who have been quiet. They haven't played. You know, obviously they're looking for second chances, so they're going to shut the hell up. But, um, but you know, Beasley, you know, you want to get out there. You know, Odin is sitting in Indiana. for This is his series. And he's sitting there. He's like, man, you know, I'm ready whenever they call me. But as soon as they go to the finals, he's up there, you know, dancing with the trophy. You know, because <laughs> that, when I'm called upon, I'll be ready. And um, and I agree with you, championship teams do feel like they can turn it on and turn it off. The problem is Miami, and like B just pointed out, Indiana thought they were a championship team when they were not. So they try to adopt the habits of a championship team when they don't know how to exactly put those in place just yet. And, and one, one, one final thing is that, you know, again, going back to Vogel, you had Sola, you had Chris Copeland, and he rarely used these guys, but Sola was, was primarily ineffective, and he was only oh, effective yeah. first. But they were using it for a first half, and then the second half, you wouldn't right. see him. And you know what, can you just brought them up. Yeah, Chris Copeland, he, it was some games when he came in and he was balling. And it was just kind of like, I think, I forgot who was the announcer who said that. They, but it was like, why is Coach not using Copeland more? It's like, Copeland, right. he was he, he made some pretty good plays. I mean, against, against you know, the starting lineup, he, he made some pretty good plays. And, I, and people was like, well, why has he been playing him throughout the series or throughout the playoffs? So that's, that's a good, I forgot about him, Ken. Yeah, I mean, Vogel's being stubborn, but look, this is the last thing I want to say. I told y'all that the Indiana Pacers were not expected to get in the season. I'm not letting y'all off the hook. I'm just like FIFO. I'm glad we do this show because it's documented and it's on record and it's on. So, hey, I said there was going to be a threat. <sighs> hey, he, he's, he's on the camera flex. If, if, you, if you're at home or you're on your computer watching, uh, we're on the Google Hangout. Check us out. We just tweeted it out too. Uh, there from my dead end sports account, uh, Ken is flexing on us because he is right. Oh, he was semi right about Paul George uh, and the props we were giving him. Uh, the phone number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again, six four six four seven eight zero three five six. If you can, if you can't get to a computer, jump in the chat room. We always got uh, folk in the chat room chopping it up, having a good time. 
So before, again, once again, before we get to the uh, participants of the finals, let's talk about you know the, the teams that lost. Uh, so we talked about the Pacers. Now let's take it over to OKC. Um, I heard a lot of talk about you know whether or not Westbrook and Durant could coexist, so forth and so on. This team is fundamentally flawed. I heard all types of things about this team. So I'll start with you first, Ken. What will it take for OKC to win a title? OKC, uh, first off, they needed a healthy Ibaka. Um, that affected the Spurs series. Uh, so, I'll, you know, I, I kind of give them a slight pass, even though you have the MVP and you have uh, Westbrook, but they clearly needed Ibaka. Um, they need more scoring besides the two of them. Karan Butler, they brought him there for a reason, and that was to provide offense off the bench. He was he was ineffective. He had a chance to go to Miami. Nice Did he home. play in that last game, Ken? I didn't. I don't remember seeing him. He didn't score. I don't think he played in the last game. Okay. You know, um, he wanted to go to OKC because he wanted to play, and he wanted to play for a contender. He, you know, man, you know, they wanted him, but you know, he wanted to play, and uh, well, you know, there was more money, and, and yeah, probably more money. So, uh, but anyway, so I, I can't fault him for the choice. That was a good choice. OKC was rolling. Um, right. And, and I didn't know that Ibaka was going to get hurt. But uh, I think they – here's what I think that OKC needs to do besides the obvious um, issue of Westbrook and, and, and Durant not really being compatible. I think if you do start Reggie Jackson as a floor general um, and as a point guard and people maybe speak to whether or not he could be an effective point guard – Chip uh, Westbrook, maybe like a two or play the off the ball or whatever. Um, that may help. That may give them some options there. Uh, it's worked with a little bit of success against the Spurs, but the the main flaw that I saw with OKC when Ibaka went down was they didn't have anybody else. And and they have players on the bench that I think that, you know, with the right development, they can contribute to that team. Uh, what, um, Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb, yeah. He can play. Uh, the other guy, Perry Jones, you know, yeah. he's long and, and he can play if he's developed. So I think when they look at some of the guys they have on the bench, Steve Adams is a rookie. I think he'll be able to come in and be that, that tough tough guy you need. Um, so I think what they need to do is they need to develop those two young guys, you know, into being contributors next season. Because they played in the beginning of the year and then all of a sudden they just dropped out of rotation. And when they did play, they proved that they can be effective when they are on the court. So I think they need to develop those players into being contributors from the bench. And maybe if if Saba, uh, if he doesn't come back next year, you know, maybe they can insert one of those guys into the starting lineup. So I think that they just need they need more offensive help so they don't have to rely on Westbrook and Kevin Durant to consistently do everything on a night in and night out basis. Okay. Okay. What about you, B? Uh, what is it going to take, man? Uh, is, is it Kate? Is it can Katie and, and and Russ coexist? What 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 do you think it's going to take for OKC to get over the hump? They need to either, I guess, like dump Kendrick Perkins and get them some low post presence, like someone on the block that can score. If you can throw it down on the block and they can create a you know own shot in the post. Or I know me and people have been saying this, and we've been arguing with people on Twitter about this. <laughs> with Westbrook and get you a, a floor general point guard such as like a Rondo type of PG on the floor because 
It's just Westbrook, as great as Westbrook is, I mean, we're not knocking Westbrook at all. Westbrook is a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player. Hell of an athlete, hell of a basketball player, everything. But at your point guard, you need someone that distribute that ball and get the man, the MVP, Kevin Durant. Give him his looks. He needs to be the guy to take over. Westbrook shouldn't be taking those shots away from, from Durant. So I think they just, they need a floor general PG. And people argue with me and people about that all the damn time. It's like, it's not going to work. Them, them two are not going to work. As great as they are, it's not going to work. It's, it's, it's not, you know. But like I said, I think they, they need that. And they need some low post presence. Here's your purpose. Get his ass out of here. Get someone on the block that can score that can score on the, in the paint, man. Like that can score in the paint as well as rebound and still play some defense. You know, play a little bit of defense. And probably not as good as Perkins, but Perkins offensively just sucks. You can't even you can't even rely on him to do anything offensively. He, he's like a liability on offense. So you need someone that you can depend on on the block that you can throw it down there and that can that can get get some of them other big fellas in foul trouble. But you don't have that. So that's what they need. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, uh, FIFO? What What do you think it's going to take for the for the OKC uh, Thunder to get there, man? Um, I, I, I want to address a couple of things I can't say. Um, Go ahead. The, the first, the, well, first of all, you asked me a question. The, yeah, I did. The question yeah, I did. Was, I did. Yeah. So the first one was, um, can Reggie Jackson be their starting point guard with Westbrook playing the two? Um, I think that that's like I think that's an adjustment type of a rotation. I think depending on who you're playing in the playoffs or you know certain things of that nature, you make that move. But I don't think that that's your long term championship roster rotation. I, I I just don't. I think uh, Reggie Jackson is a potent guard off the bench, but likewise, but he's also a combo guard. So it's not like you're putting him out there with, let's say, like a CP. Westbrook is still going to have to make a lot of decisions with the ball in his hand, even with Reggie Jackson starting at point guard. So that's why I don't don't think that that works. And I think uh, for me, being a point guard, coaching, and and, and just being involved in basketball as much as I have, I'm still with Westbrook being a point guard the same way I was with AI being a two-guard. Westbrook is a point guard. He is a point guard. The problem, I think, the main problem with Westbrook is this. I think it is uh, Coach um, damn right, uh, Coach uh, Scott Brooks. 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 Scott Brooks. I, look, and, and Charles Barkley alluded to this as well. He has to hold KD and Westbrook more accountable. You have to understand time and possession. Like that last three that Westbrook took against San Antonio, that is a whole oh great Oh my he God! He hit on the backboard, the top of the backboard. So, so, so to me, as a point guard, when you're an extension of the coach, he's not an extension of the coach. And I understand having a player of that raw coming in the first two or three years. Okay, you, you should see progression. And at you know, I think what is it, year five or six now? We haven't seen that. So. That's not from the player. That's from the coaching staff and the coach, the head coach himself. We've seen Stephen Curry take his game to a whole nother level, and that, to me, is directly attributed to Mark Jackson. Russell Westbrook needs to be held accountable for his decisions, and I don't think that Scott Brooks is that guy for a couple reasons. I think because he's been there since day one with those guys. So there's kind of, there may be a friendship 
kind of thing there. You know, I kind of, I was there from the beginning. I think I didn't need to, I don't think Scott Brooks should be back. And, and it's not because I, I think he's a bad coach. I just don't think that he has progressed with his team. They still do the same thing. We saw year one Miami to this year Miami completely different, including the players and how they play and what their roles are. And I think that that's, that, that's the main thing. And, and, and that is a perfect prelude to another to the other point that I was going to make about you, Ken. Um, Jeremy Lamb and um, uh, the long guy, Perry Jones, I, I love his game. Yeah, Perry they are They are developed already. Now, these guys, I don't think that they're ever going to be superstars. They have the intangibles to be all-stars. Now, will they get there? I don't know, especially when you have players like a Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant kind of stunting their growth in terms of shot opportunities and, you know, taking over the game and things of that nature. But, again, this falls on Scott Brooks. He needs to have defined roles. When Perry Jones and Jeremy Lamb come in, they need to know exactly what they are. And once they fell out of the rotation, and then all of a sudden on the whim, I'm playing you against San Antonio in do-or-die situations, don't you think that they would have been more ready for that situation if they would have got the minutes leading up to the playoffs? So to me, again, that's Scott Brooks. So I'm not saying that Scott Brooks is the only issue, but I think that he's the main issue. And then from a roster standpoint, if you're going to stay with KD and Russell Westbrook, then I think you have to change the coach. If you want Scott Brooks, then I think you have to change one of the players. And I've always said, I trade Westbrook for Rondo straight up. Westbrook for Rondo straight up. And then Boston, at that, at, at that moment, if you get Westbrook, throw everything else you got to go get Kevin Love and start Kevin Love at Westbrook. But, yeah, man, from OKC's standpoint, you either got to get rid of the coach, you got to get rid of Westbrook. You know, one of the things, the reason why I asked about Reggie Jackson is because when Westbrook was out, Reggie Jackson was so effective running the point guard position as a starter for the, ga- for the game he was out. Um, so that's why I, I, I wonder if he would be able to coexist with AD and Westbrook together. I, I totally agree with you. I think Westbrook is a point guard. Um, he's, a, he's an offensive point guard. But if you look at that man's numbers in, in the Western Conference Finals, I mean, they, they were simply amazing, man. Uh, over 20-something points a game. What was it, 27? Uh, damn near 88? Yeah. That shit was crazy, man. I but mean, look at his turnovers. His turnovers no, I, I, feel, I feel you, yeah. And, yeah. and then with Reggie Jackson, he, he did have a great... When, when Westbrook went down, Reggie Jackson played great because the only other player that he had to really, you know, take a step back for offensively was KD. You know, because who was the second option offensively? Maybe Ibaka and maybe him most of the time. They, they split that second option. So so, so to me, he can coexist with KD. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if mm-hmm. he trade Westbrook and don't get a, a, a point guard in return, I think Reggie Jackson could definitely be your starting point guard, but then you need a starting two. You know what I'm saying? Or, 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 or whatever you're getting back in return from Westbrook. But, look, at the end of the day, if they love their roster, and I love their roster. I love their roster. I think that they are fine for a championship. But then it comes down to the coaching staff and holding their players accountable. It, Westbrook, 
in the last minutes of the game, you can't have these type of turnovers. You can't take these type of shots. We have to make sure that we get the shots we want. And that's the main reason why I chose the Clippers over OKC, because what did I say? Execution. I, I think that it was a little bit much everything that was happening, but at the end of the day, and it came down to execution. When CP lost the ball, there been two last turnovers, and then that foul on, on, on Westbrook. You know what I'm saying? And, and to me, Westbrook makes those type of plays too often. And when you have a guy as efficient as KD, he needs more shots, even if it's mm-hmm. at the expense of your own offense. Because yep. you're a point guard. That's your job. Oh, no doubt. So, and to me, that, that that coach's job to make sure that he does his job. I, I think uh, I think you guys made some great points. The only thing I want to add is, uh, like I said, Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks has been, you know, he. I don't. I just don't know if Scott Brooks is necessarily the coach to get them over the hump. Um, I don't know. I know that Durant and Westbrook have both gone publicly, uh, you know, um, to support him immediately after the season was over. Um, but I mean, just little simple things like there were a couple, and I, I understand why they had Fisher in the game in, in Game Six toward the end, you know. But Switcher was get uh, I call him Switcher. <laughs> Fisher was getting switched up in these cross matchups, so he was ended up a couple of times. Like one time, he ended up in the post guarding uh, Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was a mismatch, you know, and, and he ended up fouling him because I mean, of course, that's two points automatically, but. You know, just that kind of thing where you you have to yeah. And I think Popovich and Popovich is going to outcoach most most coaches. He's a great coach, but I just think that his rotations. Um, I just think it's time for someone else. Let someone else try. I think the team is young enough to where they can withstand. You know, having another voice. Um, and it's a question I I I ask people all the time. You know. You got to some some blame has to also lay at the feet of the uh, the current MVP and I love KD I love his game I love everything about it. I think he's a phenomenal player, um, but toward the end of the game you know when the game is online he went to cross the guy over and turn the ball over you can't do that I mean everything is riding on you so you just got to be mindful of that kind of stuff and and I'm not saying that he gets a pass but I think more more often than not when you hear the, the, the so-called experts chime in about it across the country. Everybody wants to point to Westbrook and how many shots he took in overtime and his shot selection and things of that nature. But you know, you gotta also remember the the MVP. While he had his numbers, you know, he just he he faltered down the stretch too. And I don't. But it was it's unfortunate because it was just those two guys just just slinging and banging. I mean, nobody else mm-hmm. could really help. Um, yeah. Especially coming down the stretch. Uh, the phone number to call in area code six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six. You are locked in live to Dead End Sports. I am your host, Twelve Kyle. Join my partners in crime. You know them from Dead End Hip Hop, B Ken and FIFO. Hit us up six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Right now we got a caller from Skype. The Skype callers caller you on the air. Which name were you calling from? This is Naj ATL. What's good, man? Naj, what's, what's going good, on, Naj? brother? Good, Naj. Ain't nothing, man. Sitting here listening and chatting with y'all, man. Always a good time, man. Uh, man, the Westbrook slander has to stop, dude. Look, look, this, this is a top seven NBA player. Uh, the, the big problem as a former point guard, I, I know what you was trying to say earlier, but, man, he has things that other people never had wish we had. He can get a good shot at any time. It's kind of AI-like, and that causes him sometimes to, you know, OD with the ball. So you got to take the yep. good and the bad with Westbrook. 
But the good is so high level that, that you kind of just have to deal with it. Now, you need a better coach in there, someone besides Brooks, who can actually get him to understand, like you said, time and score. And, hey, look, man, you need to move the ball. You need to make sure people are getting touches. You need to have that point guard feel. And a, a guy like Mo right. Chief, you know. who they let go to Detroit, should have been the guy on that bench. Scott Brooks is horrible. He doesn't make adjustments that mean anything. And nope. defensively, I, I think they've regressed way past uh, what yeah, they should definitely have regressed of, of a team that good, man. So I'm, I'm really disappointed in Scott Brooks. And KD has to have the nerve to go into the GM's office and bang on that desk and tell him, look, this guy got to go. He is not what's going to take us where we need to be. And uh, now, as y'all was saying. Do you think that that's, I, I know you said that KD has to go and tell management that Scott Brooks has to go, but he, he's got a pretty good, from what we can tell, pretty good relationship with Scott Brooks. Uh, and, and I know he doesn't want to be, a, a player never wants to be labeled as like a coach killer or anything like that. Do you think KD would let his image get in the way of that or prevent him from doing that? Well, if he's more concerned with his image than he is about winning, then we got a whole other problem with KD, and we see why Russ is the guy who steps up in certain moments when KD seems to disappear. And the other thing we don't talk about with KD is he hasn't put on the strength to where he can play the four for stretches and kind of give them some good minutes. Those first yeah. two games in San Antonio where he was actually in the post a little bit on defense, he was getting man. worse. He was getting yeah, worse. He, he was, yeah, that's he some was bad take. That is some bad work. take for a Hall of Fame uh, candidate, you know what I mean? But uh, he, he really has to get that work in. And, and like I said, man, there's no way you can trade Westbrook because you can't get equal value back. you got to trade one of the younger assets to get a veteran player in there that you think will contribute in the playoffs. And a, a guy like Derek Fisher on his last legs is not the answer. You need real contributions. And uh, I know this call is going on long, but if I can add one more thing. The right, one. Right. The one unsaid thing about Popovich that a lot of people miss is Popovich really instills in his bench that, look, if you come in and play hard, play defense, I don't care about the shots that you take as long as you take them within your ability. And those guys come in with such comfort. You'll see uh, Patty Mills coming in shooting threes like like he's a guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You'll see uh, uh, Baines. I, I didn't even know who Baines was before this game. <laughs> this dude is coming in and playing like he's a regular roster member. And that goes to Popovich empowering his bench while other guys, as soon as somebody on the bench makes a mistake, they yank him. And all of y'all played sports, man. You know what that does to your confidence. So uh, yep. much, much respect to uh, Popovich for doing what he's doing, even though, man, they about to take that L, man. We're about to see the coronation. King James is going to rarefied air, man. He, he's about to do um, something serious this finals, man. I'm telling you. Hey, hey you know what, um, God, man? I want to uh, address him started out with. Um, you're absolutely right, man. I, I'm part of Westbrook, um, but I I have to back that up and, and, and give him a break, man. Um, I think we do have to start looking at KD. We do need to start holding KD a little bit more accountable than we have in the past. The Gallows is right safe this year. And, and, and there's something on Westbrook more than KD. And KD came up small a lot of times in the playoffs. He struggled against Memphis. Um, I forgot who they played in the second round. Wait. Yeah, Clippers. 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 You know, he has some ineffective families. Clippers, man, he really didn't get it going in, in the playoffs, man. And, and people continue to give this guy a pass. And it's like, when I look at KD, 
he kind of reminds me a little bit of, of, of LeBron when it comes to that mentality of, of going out and getting it. And um, at times we've seen it um, early on in his career. I think he's exhibited some failures. I think he's been a little bit more reluctant to, to step into the mm-hmm. step up and, and assume that, that role. And, you know, of course, playing with Westbrook, Westbrook got the ball. You know, he has the ball all the time, and he's going to toss it up whenever he feels like it. And I think that's when the people look at KD and say, look, man, I, I need the ball, and you got to give me the ball. So, um, so yeah, man, I think we need to – I think we need to now, now that he's the MVP, now that he's won the MVP, I think now we need to, we need to really start looking at KD and talking about what KD isn't doing instead of more what he is doing. Um, so, yeah, man, it's time to hold him accountable, man, and, and let Westbrook be Westbrook. As long as you, I you, agree. You, you know what, man? Another thing, too, is um, I, I feel like KD, uh, it, first of all, from, from a media, you know, spectator standpoint, KD has a lot of outs. A lot of people blame Scott Brooks for the offense. A lot of people blame Westbrook for him not getting shots, this, then, the third. And, and, and while at times those are viable outs, KD needs to be more assertive, and I think that that's yeah. his main problem. Because I understand being a, a teammate, you know, especially me being a point guard. I, to this day, when I still hoop, I struggle with it at times from being too passive. Me trying to do my job to make sure everybody gets their their shots, you know, make sure everybody's happy. And at times, I need to take over. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and what KD needs to understand is. You're not LeBron. You know, LeBron is more magic. You should be more MJ. And if you already right. have a guy that, that already has that mentality, I'm going to go get buckets, you need to have that conversation with him to say, look, I need my buckets first, and then you can have everything else. You know, and, and KD just needs to get more aggressive offensively because until that happens, they won't be competing for championships. And it's not its not saying that Russell Westbrook doesn't need to be as aggressive. He needs to be as aggressive, if not more aggressive, as a point guard, not as right. a scorer. You see right. what I'm saying? You can still attack the basket. You can still put on the jet stop on the dime. You know what I'm saying? And you can still do all of your moves that make you who you are, that separate you physically and athletically from everybody else in the NBA. But as a point guard, he needs to start utilizing that as a point guard, and KD just needs to start being more aggressive as a shooter. And Scott Brooks needs to do a better job of putting everybody in situations. Because to me, when you have two guys like that that are ball dominant, it is up to the coach to make sure that other players are in positions and situations where they can be effective. To Naj's point, with Popovich, who the hell is a bang? Everybody <laughs> they are they are confident in their role because their role is clearly defined. That is coaching. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And, and just to add one more stick to the KD fire we got burning right now, the fact that he let Chris Paul and Tony Allen defend him should be embarrassing to him this summer. He should say yep. there's no way they are ever putting a guard, right. or let alone a point guard, on me. A six-foot six right. guard. Six he got to take a page from the from the book mm-hmm. of Dirk and Whiskey. Remember when mm-hmm. Dirk decided he was going to back those little guys down and he won a chip? Yeah. It's time yeah. for KD to make that leap, man. You cannot let them embarrass you like that, putting little shooting guards and point guards on you. Yeah. 
No doubt, no doubt. Great, great points, great points. You got anything else for us tonight, Doc? Uh, nah, man, that's it, man. I'm just going to hang up and listen, man. Y'all doing good work as usual, man. All, All right, right, man, definitely. You, man. We appreciate Thanks, the support, man. All right. Peace. Phone number Naj called, area code 646-478-0356. Got another call on the line. Let's not keep him waiting. Call him from right here in the ATL. 678, call you on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yo, what up, what up, what up? What up? <laughs> it can. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, man, the voice yeah. sounds familiar. Ken, look at that. Another line or something? <laughs> nah, Ken, Ken, man. <laughs> what the hell? He pressed the... Man, I'm, let me hang up his line, man. Let me yeah, hang up his line. Ken, get up, man. <laughs> get crazy. 646-478-0356. Six, 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 I'm sorry. Um, now let's talk about the participants, man. Um, start with the Miami Heat. Uh, with four trips to the finals. Four consecutive trips to the finals. FIFO. Crazy. Do you think the Miami Heat are a dynasty? Yes. Yes. Okay. No doubt. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. You you don't look. That, that dynasty is sustained achievement over a long period of time. You know, they're they're nearing half a decade. Four straight trips uh, trips to the finals. Two championships going on their third. To me, that, that that's a dynasty. And the fact of how they did it, the fact that they were able to get there year one, the fact that LeBron, even when him and D-Wade were still figuring things out, they were still dominant. You know what I'm saying? Um, and back-to-back championships, uh, the, the, the last team to win back-to-back championships was the Lakers, and that's the early 2000s. So, you know, uh, for, for, for me... They're a dynasty, um, and, and, and the reason why I have to say that they're a dynasty right now is because of this. The CBA, the way it is constructed, it is not the same as it once was of yesteryear when you had the Lakers and the Celtics and even the right. Bulls. And even what San Antonio has been able to do has been pretty remarkable in the CBA era. So, um they are. They are a dynasty. I wish that it would be able to, um, you know, go on for, for a little bit longer. But I'm going to tell you like this. I think, honestly, LeBron is a dynasty, just like MJ was a dynasty. Kobe was a dynasty. I think that these players, these these transcendent players, they're somewhat dynasties once they get one or two chips. You know, like, like, K, like KD, once he gets one or two, I think it's going to be a KD era. But, you know, it depends on where LeBron is in his career. So, um, to answer the question, yes, Miami is a dynasty. Hey, hey, FIFO, okay, let me ask you this. If, if Miami loses this finals, would they we still consider them a dynasty? <laughs> you, 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 you know what? I, I, I would have to take it, you know, a step back and say that they're just a great team over a long period of time. But I, okay. I think that okay. for me, okay. that my answer really hinges on them winning three in a row. Because yeah. how many teams yeah. have done that? Right, right, and four and four straight trips to the finals. That's 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 pretty remarkable. That's that's, you know, to be mentally tough to do that, you know, four straight years. You know, that's that's a lot of people. See, a lot of people kind of forget that. Like when you're thinking about, okay, you got the off season, you're working the off season, then you got the eighty-two game schedule, then you got the playoffs, you won a championship, you go through it all again. That you you mentally you have to like lock in. You know, to, for that grind, man. And people, a lot of fans don't realize that, man. It's, it's already hard enough to get one, but for you to lock in and to get two, 
to, to get three, and then you know to get out up there for the fourth straight year. Yeah, mentally, that, that that's insane, man. That's insane. Hey. And, you know, another thing to be is, is the fact, like, the, the same point I made with the Pacers, like, when you have, you know, three games and four nights, and then you got this young team wanting to prove a point, playing their hardest. Like, when, when, first, mm-hmm. first of all, most championship teams, that second year, they all say it's, the, it's harder because now it's harder. Target. Yep. But yep. think about Miami. They were target from day one because they, of what LeBron did. So yep. he embraced that role, and for him – to, to, to be the NBA's most liked player, to be the most hated player from one year to that, first of all, mentally for LeBron to embrace that and to use that, yeah, that is crazy. That's that's for crazy. Still, yeah, for him to still be who he was, you know, the player he was, you know, and, and for him to overcome that and then to even just get to the finals to me that was an accomplishment. And, and you're 100 yeah. right. That that mental, like like obviously none of us has ever played in the NBA. But the, the the closest that I've gotten to playing back to back games and, and and multiple people in a playoff and things like that was when I was at this one basketball camp. And let me tell you how hard it is to play one team three times, seven times. You know right. exactly their tendencies. Right. You know what they want to do. Like and, and, and just you know just just quickly that team that we played three times in that camp. The first time we played, uh, we we probably scored both teams you know forty to fifty points. Um, uh, for both teams, um, and we scored fifty. They scored forty something. The second time, man, it was hard to crack the thirties. By the third time we played them, I think we beat them like twenty nine, twenty seven. Because it's just <laughs> that tough. They know. Yeah, they're that tough. Yep. They know. So, 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 like we were calling plays, and they were like, "Okay, he's coming here." They were calling plays, and we knew what they were doing. So, so it's just tough, man. And for Miami to do that four straight years, and especially if they get the championship, hands out, they're a dynasty. Okay, yeah, what about they, you, they, you? You asked me for the question, so let me throw it to you. Uh, do you think they're a dynasty with four consecutive t- uh, trips to the finals? Uh, it, I mean, I'm going back to the question I asked people. If they win this year, if they if they beat San Antonio for the second straight year after San Antonio got that red light that 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 they seeing red right now against Miami, and my, and LeBron still able to overcome that and they beat them, yeah, they're a dynasty. Four, I mean, three three a a a three feet. No team hasn't done that since the 2000-2002 Lakers. And for them to do that in this era NBA, to go four straight and three-peat out of that, yeah, that's, that's crazy, yeah. That, that, they'd be considered dynasty. Now, if they lose, I might be like, uh, uh, you know. It's you know hard. I, mean, I, think, I think from a mentally standpoint, you could say, yeah, because them getting there four straight years is, like, crazy. Because look at it like this, Kyle. You know, many people consider the Braves a dynasty when they went what I think what right. fourteen straight years depending, but they only got one World Series out of that. You know what I'm saying? But you but you still for fourteen straight years you won a freaking pennant. That's crazy. So even though they only got one World Series to show for it, that's still you can kind of say that's a dynasty. They didn't. They probably don't got the multiple championships to prove it, but for them to get the pennant that many years, so for. For Miami, it's kind of like a uh, if they, but if they win this, yeah, they're dynasty. I'm saying it this year's dynasty, this you know decades dynasty or whatever. What was you gonna say, um, Kyle? No, I, I was just asking. Um, I, I I feel the same way. I think if if they win it all this year, I, I think you got to give them the dynasty call, and that's and that's tough to do because you know nowadays, um, you know, outside of the the, the stretch run that. Uh, that the Patriots had, 
um, a few years ago. I think it's hard to, to call anybody a dynasty because, like you know, FIFO said, you know, the the, the CBA, the the yeah. it's just not set up in any of the sports leagues for you to be dominant. The the ideas are for parity. The ideas are for you know a team like the Cleveland Browns to feel like they can have one draft and turn everything around in that one Think draft right. and yeah. go from being bottom feeders to a playoff team or go from being last place to first place. And and we've seen it time and time again each year in the NFL. Uh, The NBA is set up a little bit different. You can have a little run, but eventually you're going to have a James Harden who, you know, is going to play for a team that could be a third wheel or he can go get paid and and be the number one guy. And and that's the way it works in the NBA. So um, for what they've done, and uh, and we'll talk about it more after the series is over, after the the finals are over and, um, and they are making their decision as to, where they go and who who goes where, but you know I really, especially if they if they win it, I find it hard that they're going to break it up. Um, I could definitely see them make trying to do something, whether or not they finagle the numbers and take less to come back just to do it again. Um, and if they won this year, they would be odds on favorite to win it again next year. Um, what about you, Kim? Uh, do you think they're a dynasty? Man, you know what. Y'all are crazy, man. Um, win or lose, the Miami Heat are a dynasty. <laughs> they are a dynasty. Here are the reasons why. 2011, they beat that year's MVP, the Chicago Bulls, in five games. Then they went on, went on to beat the Boston Celtics, uh, their arch nemesis. And well, they they, they beat the- Boston first. They beat Boston first. They beat Boston first. Okay, all right. Either way, they beat them. They beat Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, two NBA champions. They beat them, then they beat the MVP, and then of course we know what happened in the in the finals. They lost, but you know they were well on their way to to being up 2-0 until they got cocky. They learned their lessons, then they won back to back championships, and of course now they're here again. Um, you know, in the finals. Let's look at Kevin Durant, right? Let's look at, no, 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 no. Let's look at Dallas. They haven't been back. You look at OKC, they haven't been back. <laughs> and now, of course, they're playing San Antonio twice, and San Antonio has a championship pedigree. And, of course, you know, during their heyday when they were scooping up championships, you know, they were considered, uh, you know, like the dynasty you know, themselves as well. The fact that they have been able to go to four straight championships with teams gunning for them, that's just something as a dynasty, period. Look at what they've done in the history they made. 27 straight, you know, uh, last year, you know, and and LeBron playing phenomenal games, winning the game seven against Indiana after them, winning the game Mm -hmm. seven, the Spurs, who haven't lost the finals, so since they've been in existence, you know, and since the big three have played, you know, come on, man, you, you got to get up to them. I think we're placing too much value in them winning another championship, and I think there's a lot of value in them making it to the finals four straight times. When you look at the teams that they, they outside of San Antonio, the other teams haven't even made it back or even close to it. So, yeah, man, I, that's true. I, I, that's true. I, I, that's true. I think that, honestly, regardless of, of if they win or lose Everyone in the lose. fight. 
Yeah, yeah, man. It, it hasn't been done in what twenty three years? Twenty three years? Come on, man. I th- let me what do you mean as far as the three piece? Well, no, no. I think just uh, make it to the final four. Come on, four straight yeah. years. Oh, okay, yeah, four yeah, straight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this, Ken. This this is just a uh, just a spur of the question. If a team make it to the Eastern Conference Finals six years in a row, would you consider them a dynasty? I think what, with, uh, with one championship, with one championship, and they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals six years in a row, would you consider them a dynasty? I mean, they were they were elite, man. Um, I, I would I would look at them as, as as a dynasty, man. The Eastern Conference Finals to get that far a game away from the finals is tough. It is tough, man, and it's so, not an easy. So, Ken, let me ask you this. I would so, are the Eagles a dynasty? The Andy huh? Reid Eagles a dynasty? Yeah, the McNabb. Mm-hmm. Man, you know what? You know what? I, I gave when, when I gave them a lot of props for making it to the NFC. So, yeah, they made Yeah, I would, I would probably look at them as a dynasty, man. Because that, you know how hard it is to get to the NFC? Yeah. Oh, no chip. Yeah. Wait. And and they had a chance to win that Super Bowl if right now wasn't throwing up everywhere. Championship. <laughs> but, but I I don't know about that one, Ken. If you if you got, if you, if you consider dying, you gotta at least have some championship pedigree under there. If you wanna be considered that no regardless if you You gotta win one Buffalo, I don't consider Buffalo Bills a dynasty when they went to the right. Super Bowl four straight years but, and lost. No, what? that's Are you not. serious? You gotta have a championship, Ken. Ken, you gotta have at least a championship in there. Oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get man. You, you got, you got, Ken, Ken, you, you gotta at least get one or something, dude. You, you didn't get man, no I, championship. Come on, Ken. I, I won. Look, man. I, 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 look, I look, 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 look at the records. Look at teams who we consider dynasties. They got championships, right? Man, yeah. that's, that's, that's a good point, man. But come on, man. We're talking about no. Super Bowl beef. No, but you got to win, though, Ken. I, I think everybody's going to associate dynasties dynasty with winning in championships. I, I just don't know that you can be considered. I, I mean, that's, this is your opinion, but I, I don't know that you can consider somebody a, a dynasty if they hadn't won anything. I mean, people like you, you talked about the Braves run. I don't necessarily consider that a dynasty because they had one, and, and no, granted, yeah, in 11 yeah. pennants and, and one title, that's a lot because you go ask the Kansas City Royals if they would take that. They take that in a heartbeat. And but a heartbeat, if you look at my yeah. New York Yankees, you know, that's a dynasty. Yeah, that's a dynasty. Because they got I don't know, man. Multiple. The, man, the Super Bowl, man. We're, talk, we're not talking about, we're talking about the Super Bowl. You know how hard it is to I get know. to the Super Bowl? No, I mean, oh, it's very hard. And it's hard to get to the NBA Finals. And it's hard to get to the NBA Finals four consecutive times. You know, considering the fact that, you know, each of those guys could have gone anywhere they wanted to and played for whomever they wanted to and made tons and tons of money. So I get that. Yeah. It's, it's a feat in and of itself. Uh, that being said, you, you give them another title, man, I think you got to call them a dynasty. I'm not going to give yeah, them a dynasty yeah. call right now because, I mean... Oh. God. Does that mean they're a dynasty? What if they go get swept? You know, does that make them a dynasty? I don't think so. Man, are y'all serious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's got to be championships, man. Four straight finals, Kyle? I'm not I'm not knocking that. I'm, that. That is a huge feat. But I'm saying, if you say, if 
I'll put it like this. If you say, okay, yeah, we've been to the finals four straight times, and we got two rings, I mean, most teams would want to ch- ch- cut their hands off to get that. But, it, but tell me how that sounds. We've been to the four, finals four straight times, and we've got two championship rings. As opposed to, we've been to the finals four straight times, and we have three championship rings. Or we have four championship rings. Or you don't have any. Sound a little different, don't it? But look, four straight finals. <laughs> when you're talking about the Miami Heat, a team that not one or two or three teams have been gunning for them, you're talking about 31 yeah. other teams, like people yeah. said, since preseason of 2011 have went at these guys jugglers. And they've managed to rebel and get to the finals four straight times. They have been the best of the East for four straight years. And, and, and I won. said it, Ken. I said, I said it's kind of thin. Come on, man. Come on, man. I said, it was thin. I said I was like, it's kind of thin. It's like, damn. Even if they don't win it, it's still kind of be like, damn. Mentally tough for you to get there four straight years is, is I, in itself, I think it's insane. It's crazy. It, it, it's if it's if great. They one, it's great. If they were one and three, I would be like, you know what? All right, fine. I'm okay with two and two. Two and two is a harder argument than three and one. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the fact is that they they've had, like we said, that red dot on their head to take care of them. They have been the premium team in the East for four straight years, and and they've managed to get to the finals, even in their inaugural season. And um. And and so and, and, and come on, man! They beat the Spurs, dog. You know how hard it is to beat Brett Popovich and Tim Duncan and crew. Yeah, it'd be crazy if they if they do it again this year. It'd be nuts. Like Damn. I think if if if, if Miami wins championship, it's like it's, you you got to start mentioning LeBron with the greats. I mean, automatically now, especially if three pieces. If he three pieces, it's like a it's like a no brainer now. You can't hate you hate on LeBron if you want. If he three pieces. If he beat the Spurs again, it's like there's no question. It's like he's definitely going to shut up the naysayers, I think. And you know what? Wouldn't it be karma for him, for the Heat to just sweep the Spurs? You know, kind of the oh, way that, that, man, that Antonio that swept so them the first time? Yeah, that, that would mean, be so crazy. TD will go out on a sweep. Because yep. if I was in Duncan, I would, I would retire. If you know what I mean? You think regardless if they win or lose, Kentucky should retire? I think so. Oh. I think so. I, I and, 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 it's, and it's not because he can't compete at a high level. It's because it's like, what else, at this point, what else do you have to prove? Well, you've been to two straight right. finals. We, right. we got three rings, four rings. You got four. four rings. You got four. You got four rings. Yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, are you going to, do you really want to go through all of that mental all of that physical stuff for what? You're a four time champion. Does. We, we, you know we've what? been saying that we've been saying that for the last three seasons. We've been like, Well, yeah, this Tim Duncan last year. He ain't gonna come back to this again. That's true. And, and you know crazy. Like, like, look, like look at me and you, we still hoop and, and shit. We we not that much younger than T D. So I feel right. it. I understand. <laughs> right. I, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I don't know. I you know it, look, if he comes back I wouldn't be hating. I wouldn't be hated, but honestly, no, no. I would like to see Miami sweep them just for karma's sake. Just because no, I, I feel like 
I don't think it's gonna happen. They're too good. No, nah, it's too it's good. Too, too, too Greg Pop is too good of a coach, and San Antonio is yep. too good of a team. I would, I would be like surprised. I would be shocked, like mouth to the floor, if they got swept. If San Antonio got swept, I agree. That'd be crazy. Unless something happened to uh, Tony Parker, that's the only way I can see that happening. Uh, the phone no, number to call in area code six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again, six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You're locked in live to the best sports show on the internet right now. You uh, you just break something, man. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> I just People are here trying to break dance. People are here You're listening live to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, I'm Kyle. Jump up my partners in crime. Can't be a FIFO. Hit us up. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. You can also check us out. On the Google Hangout, we are working out the kinks, but we are on the screen. We're live on your TVs, we're on your computers, we're on your pods, everywhere. Hit us up, 646-478-0356. Um, okay, let's, well, you know, we can kind of combine these next couple of questions. Who's going to win the finals and in how many games? And what what is it going to take for, for the team to win the finals? B, I'll start with you. Who's going to win and in how many games? Oh, man. I, I, <laughs> who's going to win? I, I think I called it, man. I, I'm going to stick with my pick. I, for some reason, man, I, I just think the Spurs, they just seem rare right now. And I, and I, Tim Duncan made a comment I've never heard Tim Duncan right. made. Or never, I've never heard him talk this certain way when, when they were interviewing him after the game. When they won, it was like, yeah, you know, we wanted to get this opportunity. We want, we, we're glad it's Miami, you know, and, and, and we got four more to win, and we're going to get it this time. And I was like, what? I'm like, Tim Duncan saying they're going to get it this time? Like, are, is this Tim Duncan saying this? He, he, Tim Duncan ne- rarely speaks about, you know, them winning the series right. or what they're going to do before a series. So for him to say that, I'm like, what? And it's like, it, but also, Kyle, I, I'm also dependent on Tony Parker's health. I don't know how, how much of 100% he's going to be. If Tony Parker's 60 70%, then I'm going with Miami. But if if Parker, if this rest, this is, you got to wait damn near a week for game one. If Parker right. is able to, you know, rejuvenate his injury and, and be 100% Tony Parker and, you know, Greg Pop is doing what Greg Pop do, Tim Duncan do what he do, I see Spurs in seven. And, you know, they got home court advantage this time. You know, last year Miami had home court advantage. You know, this year, right. you know, Spurs got the home court advantage. So, you know, I, I can, I, I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if they win the first two games. They they're they've been looking unstoppable at home uh, these pretty much throughout this whole playoff. So when he stop? But ah oh, man, I hate to go against the champs. You know what I'm saying? I just I, I just think San Antonio just see red man. Ever since that game six, they when they let it when they was like at the fingertips one millimeter away from grabbing that trophy. I think I think they see red this time, and I mean, you know, Greg Popkin saying they, they they played that same game six game at the beginning of the season, and they just been seeing red ever since. And they've got the best record in the NBA, and you know, it's it's crazy, man. I I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Spurs gonna get in seven. All right. <laughs> what about you, Ken, man? Um, who you got and why? Man, I have thought long and hard about uh, this rematch <laughs> between the Spurs and the Heat. Um, oh, man. Read every single article I could read. 
I too saw the comments that that, that Tim Duncan made, um, and all year long people have been talking about Spurs beat rematch. Spurs will win it again this year, and um, and much like B man, I, I I gotta agree, man. It, them, them boys, man, they're, they're playing with uh, a singular purpose, and that is revenge against the Miami Heat. They felt like they were robbed, and they felt like that the Miami Heat are walking away with their championship, and they're yep. coming with what they believe is rightfully theirs, and they have been playing like it. And yep. and and you have that type of motivation, um, a team like that, that executes the way they execute. That's as experienced as, as experienced as they are. That that um that finally has a chance to get after the team that makes them two seven games and they have three two. You know when you get when you get that shot that that hard once you rarely get a chance to get a shot at the team again. So it seems like for them this is set up for them to get what they wanted all year long. And and that's all we've heard, man. Is a lot of people in the media, Jeff Bayless, you know, uh, Stephen A. Smith, and everybody else talking about how the Spurs want the Heat, and that's all they want, and that and, and that's it, nothing else. And um, they wanted to get to the finals, they wanted to get their championship, and they wanted to be the Miami Heat. And um, and unfortunately, I think that that's going to be their tail problem because the Heat's going to win this thing. <laughs> You know, I, I think Tim Duncan made a critical mistake when he said that. I was about to say that too. I was getting ready to say. I know where you going. Never Go ahead. Should have opened his mouth when he said, "I'm glad it's the Heat. We're gonna do it this time. We're we're gonna complete whatever he said. We're gonna do it this time." No, he said. He said we got four more wins and we're going to we get got, it this time. Yep, That's we got. Four, never should have said that, man. Because understand something. The Heat are playing for the same damn thing. Yeah. And and, and for the Heat, they're like, we we are the champs. And for me, I'm sorry, I'm not going against the champs. They won back-to-back championships. Winning three is tough. Winning three (laughs) is tough. Popovich is going to bring some stuff. But, man, you know what? When you got a guy like LeBron who can win it, and I tell people this all the time, you got a guy that can win one game, you know, by himself, you can cancel that in, right? Um, so all you need is the team to help get you three more. And I'll say this, Chris Bosch shows up like he did against Indiana in the last three games uh, and, and not wither like he did against Tim Duncan. And I think Chris, Chris Bosch will do that. Uh, they're going to be nearly impossible to beat. Uh, another factor that plays into the Heat's favor is, remember last year, Wade wasn't healthy. Wade is healthy this year. So I think that's an advantage for I mean, That's a good point. That's a good and, point. And also, I've read this a couple of times, and Ray Hallen has, has said it himself. LeBron James remembers every single play that he's seen. He remembers every defense. He remembers every offense. He doesn't forget right. anything. He remembers what they did to him last year, and he remembers how his have cost him last year. But in six or seven, he figured it out. And and they will carry that over into this year. And one more thing, when they played the Spurs this year, they beat them early in the season. When they played against the Spurs at home, the Spurs blew them out. But remember that he kind of lollygagged through the season. They were more focused on getting the way way healthy. So I think they are going to see a focused Miami Heat team 
that knows his bet, like people said, they have played this team before. They know their tendencies. They know their strengths. And I think that that will help them out in this series. They know what Danny Green, Green can do. They'll be more aware of him. Patty Mills can be a problem, but I think they can probably find a way to nullify him. And um, and I think Gary Neal is not there, so they're not going to have that, you know, runaway game that they had, you know, that made them look so ridiculous last year, um, you know, when they played the Spurs and they were shooting threes all over the place. But, uh, but yeah, man, I'm going with the Heat and Six, man. I think that they learned a lot last year, and I think that that will carry over into this year. And I think Tim Duncan made a mistake when he opened his mouth. And, uh, and I think they, he has the Miami Heat's attention. And Wade, Wade isn't saying anything, but I know Wade has that same smile that he gave Lance Stevenson when he had a play. Remember when Lance Stevenson jumped in his face and Wade just looked at him and smiled? He was like, okay, I see you, and I'll see you in the, fight, in the playoffs. And I think that they have Miami Heat's attention, and they're going to get the Miami Heat at their best. Okay, okay. What about you, FIFO, man? Uh, what's your call? Uh, who wins it and in how many games? Kyle, <clears throat> uh, let, me, let me go on and say this. I think this is probably <laughs> going to be one of the best best finals that we're going to see. Um, live storyline. And I think Miami's going to get it in seven. And, and here's my reasoning. San Antonio is probably the best team in the NBA. When it comes down to it, I don't care who you got on the other side. His name could be Kawhi Leonard. You cannot stop the man called LeBron King James. And when you're that great, and we're not just talking about one aspect of the game, we're talking about he's Miami Heat's best passer, best rebounder, best defender, best scorer. He's the best of everything in the NBA. And I don't care who you have on the other side, you're not going to be able to stop that. And I dare Popovich and San Antonio and crew to give LeBron that amount of space again. And just be like, here, go ahead and shoot shoot your way to a, to, to a championship. Because, look, last year I, I didn't understand why in the first three games LeBron just didn't grasp that. Like, bro, like, And then during the finals last year, you know, the footage surface of him shooting half-court jump shots. We're, we're, like, I know you shooting half four shot, damn near half to keep it, just a little bit. But LeBron is shooting form jumpers from half court. And why, like, I don't understand. They're leaving you over from the three-point line, and you're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Shoot the fucking ball. So, with all that being said, I think Miami gets it in seven or even possibly six. And the reason being, like, you know, looting to 10th point, they got to be waived. The way boss can just be a half a boss, you know, for every game. And D-Wade gives you 75% and LeBron is 100% as he is most games. I, I, I just, I don't see how you overcome that, even great teams. Because great teams have run into the best player in the finals at the prime of their career and they lost. Ask Stockton, ask Sean Kemp and GP, ask everybody, ask Clyde, ask Clyde Drexler, ask Magic. Ask all the people that went against MJ, and he just denied them. And I, I've always said, I said, once LeBron wins his first, it's going to be a LeBron era. So I'm not, I'm not stepping back from that now. I, I definitely think that with him being the best player and them having the complementary pieces, and not just complementary, because he had complementary pieces in Cleveland. 
complimentary pieces that show up when the game is on the line. That's the difference. And Miami has that. And LeBron, by far, is on a whole other planet than any other player. So I have to go with them. Hey, you know what? Just real quick before you go, Cal, I, 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 you're absolutely right about one thing um, that I've noticed in the playoffs is Miami has definitely different championship mode. And the, uh, the amount of focus that I see on LeBron's face every single night, I have not seen that from him since he's been in the league. I didn't even see it last year when they were going for their second straight. It's like now he has learned how to win. He knows how to win. And now that he's in the playoffs, that's all he focused on is winning. Nothing else matters. And and, and they would have beaten the Pacers in five if the refs didn't keep them out of that <laughs> five with those five fouls. And they almost had a chance in that game. So they really should only have two losses up to this point. Uh, Brooklyn, you know, they, they have some veterans, and, and they, they just missed them. They beat the Heat in four. So, but the, the focus, the way LeBron is locked in and the way that everybody's following him, man, it's, it's like he is that leader on the court. He knows he's the best player on the court. He's not afraid of the moment. He will make the right play regardless of whether you think it's the right play. Yeah. And, 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 and you know what, man? I think he he's, he's a student of the game, and he's trying to solidify his place on Mount Rushmore Unequivocally, just like he was saying, you, if he gets three, he knows you can't say shit. He wants three, and he's going to try his damnedest to give it. And and he has something. And more importantly, and and I'll end with this: he has something to prove from last year, because people still say that Ray Allen is responsible for them winning two. And yeah, he is. But LeBron want to say, you know what? Yeah, Ray Allen helped, and Ray Allen may have saved my legs. But you know what? I got something to prove that this is the one that I'm going to go get this year. So, but you know what, Kane? Yeah. I disagree with that point because if it wasn't for John Paxton, the Bulls want to beat, you know. No, I, I feel you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what Jordan did, Jordan scored every point, I, I think it was in that fourth quarter except for that shot. You know what I'm saying? So just like with Steve Kerr and against Utah. You need those guys. When you are the greatest player mm-hmm. on the planet at your point in time in your era of your decades, of your dominance, you need, I don't care who you are, if you are a great player, you need at least one great shooter on your team. And you know every what? Every great player needs one. Yeah, you know what, Ralph? That's, that's not me saying that. That's a, that's a bunch of people that don't understand certain aspects of what it takes to win a championship. You know, who just want to find a way to pick and, and nitpick at at any damn fucking thing that happens. It, yeah, you needed that play, but you can forget about the three that LeBron made, you know, to get it to within five that allowed that this free throw to put them in that spot. So it's a team that wins a game, and LeBron made a lot of plays in that fourth quarter to put them in that position. So it's just a lot of people nitpicking, man, that want to just find a way to kind of discredit them winning back-to-back. That's not me. I understand that, and I'm totally with you. Because I'll never forget when John passed when Steve hit those shots. I thought it was the best thing Jordan ever did when he passed the ball. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, man, I'm I'm going heat and seven, man. I, I like... I think, you know, first and foremost, I don't think, yeah, he didn't seven. 
Um, I don't think, you know, LeBron or D. Wade or Chris Bosh need any more motivation. I'm a little surprised at what Tim Duncan said. Not, I mean, I think every athlete feels like they can beat, you know, their opponent. And, and you should feel like that. Um, the fact that he said it, I don't know that if it was, you know, him getting caught up in the spur of the moment or what have you. Um, and I read a comment from, uh, I heard a clip from Wade as well as LeBron. He said, you know, LeBron said, hey, you know, he meant it. And, you know, he's like, you know, they don't like us. We don't like them. And, you know, so we're going to get it on. And Dwayne Wade say, said, well, you know, anytime we feel like, you know, taking it off a little bit, he said, well, you know, you don't, it's the finals. You don't need any any motivational talk. But that's definitely motivation anytime you feel like taking it a little easy. So um, that being said, man, I think the Heat, uh, they're focused, man. I, I just I like them winning the Game 7 on San Antonio's floor. I think both teams will probably get one on each other's floor. Um, but this is definitely, like FIFO said when he first started off, I think we, this, is, this has all of the makings to be one of the best finals that we've ever seen. Um, it's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows. I don't think there's going to be any blowouts. Um, I think you're going to get some close games. Now, that's all of this is predicated on, I think, Tony Parker's health. Because if Parker's not there, or if he's not 100%, then this could be a very short series. I mean, like, if, if he can, and for some reason he can, I understand that, you know, and someone was telling me today they were saying, well, you know, you know, this the Spurs did well without Parker down the stretch against uh, OKC. OKC ain't Miami. You can you need all you need all hands on deck to beat the champs, and that's what it's going to take. You know, I just don't know that a team can beat the champion because you got to beat them four times, and I don't know that you can beat them four times because they're not going to beat themselves. And the best player in the game is going to show you why. And he's still he's going to have one. He didn't have it in the in the Indiana series. He had a spurt, a couple of spurts. But he's going to have a game where he just goes off. And there's not going to be anything that they're going to be able to do. And for him, it was last you know last year it was Game Seven. I mean, well you know like B said, you know if Popovich for as great a coach as he is, if they give LeBron open jumpers and he's making them, you're in trouble. You know, it's pick your poison. Um, but I think there's going to be a great finals. I think the Spurs, you know, they, they have a lot of momentum. They play well at home. Uh, you know, guys like Danny Green and Patty Mills, you know, could be the X factor. I think that's going to be the key. I think, you know, it's going to be incumbent upon them to play well, particularly at home, because you know guys like Birdman and Norris Cole. But Miami plays well on the road, too, and they play well on the road in the playoffs. Um, you know what, to be honest, guys, it's, it's kind of hard to when you get to this point. It's kind of hard to find fault, you know, in, in, in any of the team's games because both teams are so well-coached and so evenly matched. Um, that being said, man, I got Miami in seven. I think Miami finds a way to pull it out, and it's going to be on their home court, excuse me, on San Antonio's home court. Uh, if Parker's not healthy, that's the caveat. If Parker's not healthy, they'll probably end in five or six. Um you know, definitely won't you know won't go any shorter than that. But I think we're we're considering Parker's health. I think we're in for a great, 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 great finals. Uh, the phone number to call in area code three four seven. Excuse me, six four six four seven eight zero three five six again three uh, six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, so, B, what will it take for what will San Antonio have to do to win the finals? 
Oh, man. I hope that Tony Parker has <laughs> But, um, yeah, would it take for him to win the finals? Oh, man. Really, I mean, you can't stop him. Just find ways. Really kind of get Chris Bosh out the game and get, and get, and get, um, damn. I would say get Chris Bosh out the game. I don't know if they, if they bench can kind of, really, yeah, they bench. They bench, they really need to outplay his Miami bench. I think that's the key factor right there because Miami's bench been playing pretty good. Now you got, you know, Shane Batty stepping up. You got Rashard Lewis out here looking like the Seattle supersonic Rashard Lewis, you know. And, right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, for real. And then, you know, Ray Allen. So I, I think if, if, if San Antonio's bench can kind of keep up or either outplay Miami's bench, I think San Antonio got a great got a great chance to win the uh, win this series because you know what you know what Ginobili's going to do you know what Duncan's right. going to do you know what Quarles is going to do he's going to play you know he's not going to stop LeBron I think he's going to play good defense on him but I don't think he's going to like you know stop him or nothing like that so you got you got good athleticism on the perimeter with Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard and you know Boris Diaw I can see them defensively stepping up but it's really that bench I really think that bench for San Antonio. If they can go ahead and edge out Miami's bench, you know, pretty pretty good throughout this series, I think San Antonio got a good shot of, of winning this series in seven. I'm the only one that picked San Antonio. Right, right, right. <laughs> what about you, people? Uh, what will it take for San Antonio to win the finals? Efficiency. Efficiency okay. is as simple as that. Um, they don't have a player that can match LeBron or overplay, you know, outplay LeBron. So, the whole team, bench, starting lineup, everybody has to be efficient. Um, you know, possessions matter, uh, especially when you're playing against Miami when, you know, they're always the top, you know, defensive team this year. They slipped a little bit defensively. But, you know, when when it's only one team, one goal, this is the last series for them to accomplish their goal. You know they're going to be locked in. So, for me, San Antonio just needs to play San Antonio's first basketball if they want to win meaning they, they shoot a high percentage, meaning uh, they, they pass the ball, they, they move the defense, you know, they get the defense out of position and they get the shot that they want. And if they're knocking those down, then I think that gives them the best opportunity to win. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, Ken? Uh, what is it going to take for San Antonio to make us look make us look bad? <laughs> since, we, since three of us picked uh, San Antonio, What's gonna, what is it going to take for San Antonio to win? Um, uh, they got to execute. I, I think that's going to be the the biggest thing for them, man. Execute and not turn the ball over, and um, and give you know Miami uh, quick points and, and easy points. Um, I do think the bench for San Antonio is is part of what makes them so great, and I think that the bench will need to step up and and be effective. Um, I do think on on some level that he can speak with them. Up um, with their bench because of Ray Allen. You got Ray Allen versus Manu Ginobili, but uh, but for the most part, the San Antonio Spurs beat their bench more than uh, in the heat. But the hit, so but I think no turnovers and they just gotta execute. Okay, okay, um, I agree. I think um, I think they San Antonio has to play their game. Um, you know, you don't want to get into a track meet with the Heat because they don't have the horses to really run with the Heat. You want to keep it slow. You want to, uh, you know, uh, pound the ball inside if you can. Take advantage of your height. But, you know, one thing that, that people fail to understand is that uh, 
uh, Miami is a relatively small team. Um, so, you know, as they are small, you have to remember that, you know, the, the Heat have the size advantage with, you know, guys like Duncan and uh, Splitter and, and those guys. So um, take advantage of your size. Do something that <laughs> Indiana certainly couldn't do or, or was unwilling to do, and that was go inside and bang the ball inside. I mean, you know you got Mr. Fundamentals right there on the block, Tim Duncan. He's good for a good 19 every night. So... I think that's part of the issue right there. I think, like I said, turnover is going to be the key. Um, and just playing your game. If you're San Antonio, play your game. You know, like I said, you can't get into a running match with these guys. You, you know, you can't. And, and you're going to get down. You know, if you get down, stay the course. You, you can't, uh, you know, kind of fade away and get away from the game, and get away from your game, because that's when you ultimately lose against the Heat. Because, you know, they're, they're so good. They are so good at doing what they do that, you know, it makes it that much tougher for you to compete and stay competitive, uh, you know, throughout the course of a game. Um, now, conversely, I'll start with you, Ken. What, what is it going to take for Miami to win? Um, Chris Boss. <laughs> Chris Boss and Ray Allen. Uh, mainly Chris Boss because he has to score and he has to defend. And Chris mm-hmm. Boss has what happened to him last year that him, against Tim Duncan personally, and he has to come out like he did against Roy Hibbert, and he has to and he has to vindicate himself uh, because we all know and and Tim Duncan put that work on. Tim Duncan made Chris Boss look like look like a uh, uh, C level player last year. Um, and Jim every single game there there was. So if he can if he can match him production, then then I, I like him a lot. Um so I think Chris Boss is the key. And um I'm trying to get rid of this this echo. But uh Chris Boss, I think Ray Allen has he has to hit shots. Norris Cole has to be a disruptor. Um Rashard Lewis has to continue on his path as the black Mac Miller, you know, um, of this year, which uh, now that they got him Mike going, Miller. Mike Miller. Right? <laughs> um, he talking about yeah. the rapper. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shit, damn. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't dead in hip-hop, man. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But uh, now that Rashard Lewis is, 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 is producing on the offensive end, that gives Miami another weapon, man. Uh, we know Birdman's going to be Birdman. Uh, Chalmers has to be Chalmers. Chalmers has to be effective and not turn the ball over and not make boneheaded plays. I think he'll step up. And um, and uh, who else? Who else they got? Uh, I, I think that's about it, man. But I think with Sean Lewis and Chris Bosch, I think they'll be a key in this series, man. And if they can produce, it, 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 it'll be great for them. Uh, I, I find it funny that... The Miami Heat are viewed as underdogs in this series, and yeah. I, I looked at and I looked at the map that ESPN uh, Sports Nation did, and the only state to pick the Heat to win was my was Florida. Everybody else has the Spurs winning. But anyway, uh, well, no rooting for the Spurs, I should say. Right. But um, but yeah, yeah, man, they're, they're underdogs. It's, it's amazing to me. You win two championships and, and you're an underdog in the finals. We'll figure. But uh, those are my keys to the game. 
Okay, what about you, B? Uh, what What is it going to take for Miami to win? What was he about to say, Ralph? He was about to counter King right quick. Yeah, um, you know, Miami being the underdogs. You know, San Antonio, better team this year in the regular season. They they looked better throughout the season. So I can see why, you know, and in Miami, let's be honest, they, they're not, as a team, they're not as good as they were last year. The difference is LeBron is better, which is crazy to say at this point in his career, but you know, as a team, I think San Antonio is a stronger overall team. Mm-hmm. Ken? <laughs> <laughs> say something to that. <laughs> uh, why do you, you know, I, I hear people say that a lot, but why, why do you think they, they're not a better team um, than they were last year outside of the record? Because the way we've been playing 28 games, you know, this year, I, I hear a lot oh. of people him and what makes the Spurs better this year than they were last year? Ka- Kawhi's taking a leap. Um, Patty Mills is a different player this year. Yeah, he uh, is. They he got, really is. Uh, they got um, the dude uh, Bellinelli. Ginobili uh, yep. has been more consistent throughout the year and in the playoffs. Not and he's healthy no too. Ginobili wasn't healthy last year. Yeah, he mm-hmm. wasn't. Yeah, Ginobili wasn't healthy. Um, like, like you know, those are major, major things. You know, Miami lost Mike Miller. Um, they didn't necessarily replace him. You know, Rashard has been, you know, inconsistent. He he had a big, you know, um, game against Indiana. But, you know, for, for all of since he's been in Miami, he's been inconsistent. Since the championship run in Orlando, he's really been inconsistent. Uh, Ray Allen's a year older. Um, you know, the, the Mario Thomas, in my estimation, he's regressed somewhat. He has, uh, he, man. He's not the same yeah, player. really. Yeah. Um, no Cole has stepped up defensively, but, you know, um, I don't think that he makes up for what Thomas has, has lost. Um, you know, of course, the way being healthy is humongous, and they need him. But I just think in terms of depth, man, San Antonio is too deep every position. Where Miami yeah. is, you know, LeBron covers up a lot of stuff. All right, all right. I I, I do want to point this out, and I'll let you go, B, that uh, in regards to a lot of, you know, Bo did play with a lot of rotations in the regular season, so I think that's why they've looked erratic at times. But, um, but yeah, all valid points. Go ahead, B. Um, so, Kyle, you said, what is it to Miami got to do? Yeah, what is it going to take for Miami to win it all? Uh, um. For one, Chris Bosh is going to have to have, going to have to play like he's been playing these last, like, what, four games against Indiana. If, if Chris Bosh can play like that, I, I I would go as far as to say, you know, Miami probably won it in five and six games. If Chris Bosh can step up the way he's been stepping up recently, I mean, we, but, you know, him against Duncan, we you never know. He, he might not show right. up. But if Chris Bosh can step up, and I think I, I mentioned it before, if Rashad Lewis can just come out and look like, Seattle Supersonics for Charlotte Lewis. I mean, I think, I think, I think Miami has a shot. And I mean, elephant in the room, LeBron James. LeBron James, this is your, this is your moment for you to to to, to take it to a, your another a championship level. Take it up to a championship. Take it up to that Mount Rushmore that you want to be. This is it's really on LeBron. It's like LeBron, this is your moment. This is this is. This is where your legacy is being. You know, Jordan had his chance. You know, Kobe had his chance. You know, um, you know, um, Isaiah Bird Magic. They had their moments 
that they knew they had to to kind of kick it in high gear. And this is this is it. I mean, this is this is the finals. This is your legacy. This is for you to get a three-peat. This is for you know for you to shut up your naysayers. I mean, yeah, you won your first two, your back to back, but this one against this San Antonio team that's that's gunning for you, just like how those other teams gunning for Michael, how those other teams gunning for Magic and Bird and them. This is your moment, LeBron. So I think it's really on. You know, of course, those other those other points I made, but it's really on LeBron to take it up to Hall of Fame. You know, Mount Rushmore level. If you want to be considered that. This is your moment, LeBron. This is this is your theory. So it's it's on LeBron. Yeah, I, I agree totally. I think um I think for the Heat to win they're gonna have to play their game. They're gonna have to get out and transition, uh, force turnovers. San Antonio is not a team that's gonna beat themselves. Um so, you know, you have to be mindful of that as well. You know, so it it when when you think about that you know that the Heat have to come out and play their game. They got to jump out on them early. Um, they've got to, especially in San Antonio, they've got to be able to withstand the uh, pressure that is going to be a, that's going to come down on them, you know, from the home crowd and, and the way the team plays at home. But um, that's what it's going to take for the, for the for the Heat to win, man. I think it's, it's just going to be. Of course, it sounds easy, it's easier said than done. They're going to definitely have to try to keep Parker out of the lane um, because Parker. You know, Miami doesn't have a post presence like that that's going to block shots a la how Roy Hibbert should have been doing. Um, so, you know, if Parker's healthy, you know, can you keep Cole? Can you keep, you know, Mario Chalmers in front of him? That's going to be the key, too, because the Heat have – they've struggled against faster point guards. I mean, Tony Parker's not as fast as he used to be, but he's still quick. He can still make make it happen. He still, he so still I think to the those, basket. Oh, he can definitely still get to the basket. And, um, you know, hopefully his, his ankle's going to hold up uh, for them to be successful. Uh, 646-478-0356. Man, we only got like 11 minutes left. Um, the Clippers, man, they got sold uh, <laughs> amongst a lot of controversy. Uh, finally, for $2 billion. Let me say that again. $2 billion to my man Steve Ballman, uh, you know Steve Ballman, former CEO of Microsoft. Um, Steve Steve uh, Ballman is worth twenty billion, and he paid two billion for the Clippers. And they said that eighty five percent of what he paid was in cash. Wow, two billion, and you paying eighty five percent of it in cash in hand. I mean, like that's. Phenomenal. <laughs> so, as far as the Clippers, man, um, B, what do you do, you know, going forward? Uh, do you think – one thing I want to kind of throw out there that, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people know is that Steve Ballman, uh, obviously he's a Seattle guy. Um, you know, he was in Seattle. He was a part of uh, the coalition that was trying to bring a team back to Seattle. Um, he you know, obviously lives in Seattle or what have you. Um, do you think ultimately a, a team like the Clippers could move? I know he said that they weren't going to move, but if you think about it, if you remove him from Seattle, then Seattle no longer has a huge major player in trying to bring a, a team back to the city. Um, but going forward, man, what, what do you think is going to happen with the Clippers? I mean, for one, if the Clippers are worth $2 billion, how much is the Lakers? <laughs> how, you know, how much, exactly. how, much are the, uh, I mean, how much are the Yankees worth or, like, are these other expensive teams? Because how all of a sudden the Clippers become 
so expensive like that. But mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I think I think they might still stay in LA. I, I don't I don't I don't think they would move uh, or he would try to move him back to Seattle. But I mean, you do make a great point about that. He tried to get you know a team back in Seattle. So I mean, I think they still I, I think they still be a Clippers. LA Clippers, okay. Los Angeles Clippers. What about you, Ken? What, what do you think I, next for the Clippers? Do you think they stay in L.A.? What, what do you think happens with them? Uh, what, you, you got something else real quick, B? Yeah, I was just saying, yeah. I I'm just sorry, think B. Two billion. Yeah, you, I just think $2 billion is just, that's like extremely high. Like, damn. You went from buying a team in 1981 for $12 million to being the $2, two billion? That's too much. I, I don't think... That's, that's too much. I mean, if, if they were that much, damn it, Lakers, should, Lakers and Dodgers and shit should be worth one hundred billion or something. I mean, you know, <laughs> damn, two, two billion for the Clippers. Yeah. Well, keep right. in mind, Magic's group just bought the Dodgers last year from Frank McCord for two billion. For two billion. Two billion. Yeah. I know that's crazy. But go ahead, Ken. Go ahead. I, I don't think it's too much, man. They they've been winning for the last few years, and and with the guy. Like Ballmer um, running the team, uh, I can see him investing into that winning culture that they have established over the last few years. That would help further keep that value there. The reason they weren't worth as much before is because they were losing. You know, but now that they're winning and they have became one of the premium teams in, in LA from a winning perspective, as far as putting a winning product on the team, not in regards to who has the, the, the brand recognition and the legacy of winning. Then I, I think it's a I think it's an appropriate evaluation. Uh, just like people said, and inflation, you know, obviously has a lot to do with that. But I think the success that they've had, and the fact that they expect a championship from this group, and that they, you know, are a couple of moves from hopefully getting to the finals, I, I think it could be worth that much, uh, you know, in, in the long run, as long as they continue to win. Um, so you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I expect them to. Uh, you know, carry on to this, man, and continue to um, do what they do, man, as long as Sterling is completely out of the picture. And as long as he's gone, I think they'll get back to playing basketball and focusing on basketball. And, you know, another thing that we didn't mention in terms of their worth is the TV deal. Their current TV deal is going to be yes. up, I believe, at the end of next year. So, you know, I think right now they're they're estimating that they're going to get over, like, 20-some million a year just on their wow. TV deal. So. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about the profit. And when, you know, to Ken's point, once you are a championship contender, regardless of whatever your past was, it's about your present and your future. And, you know, the Clippers' present is very bright, and their future is bright as well, especially because you have the best head coach, you know, or, you know, one of the best head coaches in the NBA right now. And fortunately, he's also the GM. So, you know, like like I said, and I don't know, I'm sharing a little bit from, you know, the original topic, but I think that to, in, today's, in today's NBA age, the best teams are going to have their head coach be associated with personnel decisions. You know, kind of like, you know, whether you have a, a traditional GM head coach like Archie Buford or Greg Popovich, or if you have a hybrid situation like, um, Doc Rivers or even in Detroit with Sam Van Gundy, Sam Van Gundy hired the GM. So it's like you work for me instead of the other way around. 
you know, so I think that the hierarchy is changing. But that's the reason why I think the Clippers are worth that much now. And, and, and you have arguably the most exciting basketball player next to LeBron James in the NBA. He sells tickets, and, and that person is Blake. You know, so that's why they work. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And uh, like my man uh, Nod said in the chat room, he said, quote the great Randy Moss, man, straight cash, homie. That's what he paid for. <laughs> straight cash. Shout out to Steve Ballmer, man. I mean, that's that's amazing in and of itself. And like you said, the values of teams are going up, man. So, you know, ultimately ticket prices will go up, and these TV deals are, you know, sweet. And, but you also got to remember, too, that they pay the salaries for the players that we watch on a day-to-day basis. Um, man, we only got like four minutes left. Let's jump into the closing statements, man. Um, Ken, let's start with you. Closing statements for tonight's show. Man, real, real quick, man. I, I see Skip Bayless. This is for Skip, man. You know what? He's been talking about the, the Westie and this stuff and that stuff and how the Spurs had to fight their way to the finals through a tough Western conference. I just want to say this, man. Look, I think the East deserves that he deserves a little bit of credit. Russell was a veteran team, and that beat them four times. We know the rest of the season don't mean anything. Whatever. Pacers had a size advantage, and we know that they've had problems. Charlotte was a problem, but Brooklyn and Charlotte both had winning records. You know, in the sec after the All Star break, they were not scrubs. The Spurs went up against a, a Portland Trailblazers team that clearly was not ready. Where Lillard and Aldridge struggled. And then, of course, they, they got the benefit of an Ibaka injury when they play OKC and managed to put two on the board. So, I, you know, the West is tough, but Spurs didn't have that tough of a path to the finals outside of Dallas, and, you know, um, who, who, you know, pushed them for seven games. So, man, I don't want to hear that noise. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, B? Closing statement. Uh, closing statements. Um, I'm, it's interesting to see what Golden Boy promotion is going to go now that Richard Schaefer left the Golden Boy promotion camp. I don't know if he's, you know, and then now I think soon after he left, Mayweather Mayweather promotions, they they cut their ties with Golden Boy promotions. So, you know, going forward, I wonder what fight, you know, Mayweather's going to look to get now in these last three fights of this contract, Showtime deal. T.I. Now that he's not a part of the Golden Boy, you know, he's been a part of the Golden Boy for like the last seven, eight years now. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what fighters he's going to put because evidently I, I don't think he's going to do anything with top rank because they don't get along with Bob Aram. So it's, it's kind of it's interesting. So I just thought I'd point that out. You know, Richard Schaefer leaving Golden Boy, Mayweather Promotions left him. So are we are we heading to the Cold War boxing now? Or, you know, is it getting even more deader than it probably is? So, you know, that's all I got to say. All right, closing it out, my man FIFO. What you got? Cleveland, y'all been lucky. Y'all gotten the number one pick, however many times. I know that it is a risk, but any draft when you're choosing number one is a risk. Please do yourselves a favor. Do yourselves a favor and take Joel Embiid. He is what wow. you need. Yeah. If you want a shot for LeBron, that's who you go get. And long term, even if you don't get LeBron, you have a top, hopefully a top five point guard, and you would arguably already have a top three center coming in. So 
Cleveland, please take Joel Embiid. We definitely going to talk about the draft as we get closer and closer. Uh, my, my closing statement, man, uh, got a message the other day from Falcons owner Arthur Blank about the fact that the NFL could be located in London within the next five to ten years. Message from me, don't do it. Um, I, I don't think the NFL has business over in London. I think it logistically is tough for the players. It's a lot. It, it, it's a lot. And honestly, I don't think the fans here are that excited about seeing teams go over there to play anyway. Um, that's going to do it for this week. This is Dead End Sports. So for FIFO, for B, for Ken, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll holler at you guys next week. Peace. Peace. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was trying to figure out. He said, Pay. I was like, Paces? <laughs>